Good morning, everybody. Good morning. There we go. Um, welcome to our morning Advent reflection. Uh, where is Christ in a COVID Christmas? Uh, if you don't know me, I'm Tom Ponchak, the director of adult faith formation here at Our Lady of Mount Carmel. And uh, we're very happy to have you join us. Uh, we're also going to be live streaming this uh, on our parish Facebook page, uh, which means it'll also be available after today uh, on our parish Facebook page. If you go to the videos, you'll be able to see this as well. Uh, just a couple quick announcements. We are doing a, an Advent Bible study uh, with Father James DiOrio on Thursdays at 7 o'clock. We just started uh, this week. Uh, we're going to do it two more times the next two Thursdays. It's a three-week study. Uh, if you still want to join us, that uh, we meet here in the church. We also live stream it uh, at 7 o'clock on Thursdays, so you can join us from the comfort of your home as well uh, to do that. Father DiOrio is taking—he's uh, using the book— uh, Bible Basics for Catholics by John Bergsma, and uh, just kind of it's the it's an overarching look at what the the main themes and stories of Scripture are, uh, and so uh, we'd love to have you join us uh, in that. And then on Tuesday the seventeenth, we are going to have one of our Into the Deep presentations. Those are uh, monthly uh, presentations we do on different topics. This month. Stephen O'Keefe, who writes the Ask the Apologist column in our parish bulletin, will be speaking on, uh, he's talking about how various Old Testament prophecies were fulfilled in the birth of Jesus, kind of look at how the Old Testament comes alive in, new, in the New Testament, in the, the life and ministry of Jesus. So I invite you to, do the, to join us for that. That's going to be 7 o'clock. That's actually going to be downstairs in the lower level in the St. Thomas Aquinas room, and then we will uh, record that. It won't be live streamed, but we're going to record it and post it on the parish website uh, after the event as well. So our uh, speaker this morning, the, our retreat guide, is Father Rick Nagel, who's the pastor of St. John the Evangelist Parish down in Indianapolis. And uh, come on up and I'll start us off with a prayer in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to gather in your name this season of Advent when we prepare for your coming or prepare our hearts to receive you uh, today through the words that Father Nagel will share with us, uh, through the celebration of Advent in our homes and at Mass. We ask that you would... Give us the gift of your Holy Spirit to open our hearts and our minds to hear what you would have, uh, what you would say to us today. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks, Tom. We're going to give him a chance to get to the live stream. Uh, these days it's good to be, we have new words that we use like hybrid. And so we're hybrid today, live and live streaming. So we'll give him a minute to get people uh, with us on that end. I feel like I'm so far away from you. I'm going to move up a little bit here. Is that okay if I move up here, Tom? Okay. Good. I just moved out of the live stream. That's the other problem. You can't move around too much. Good. All right. We're good to go. Well, thank you for joining us. What a great 
uh, group of people uh, that have come out on an Advent Saturday morning. Um, I'm, I'm so impressed with any church that's moving forward these days. So this impresses me that uh, Our Lady Mount Carmel is moving forward and offering opportunities to grow in faith, uh, of course, in addition to the sacramental life. So thank you for being here and taking time this morning. For all those who are live streaming with us, we're grateful to have you as well. Uh, Ms. Thompson, my name is Father Rick Nagel. I'm pastor downtown at St. John's Catholic Church. And I've often had an admiration for this parish uh, just from the, the expansive work that you do um, in so many ways to serve the poor, to bring Christ to uh, through evangelization, through the uh, education, the schools. So um, I'm grateful to be with you this morning. The question or the topic of the, uh, this time of reflection this morning is where is Christ in COVID Christmas? Well, the short answer is he is here. He is here. And so we can all go home, right? Because that's the answer. Christ is here. He's with us. Emmanuel, Christ is with us. We know that he's named Emmanuel. God is with us. But let's unpack that a little bit further so that um, you don't feel like you got gypped this morning. Coming in just for a short answer. Perhaps the better question that we might ask this morning is, where are we in a COVID Christmas? Where are you in a COVID Christmas? As you prepare for Christmas uh, in this season of Advent, where are you? Uh, for all those who brought your Bibles, you can pull those out. We're going to use that this morning. Oh, shoot. Not too many. A few couple Bibles. You're, you're such good Catholics. I know that's... We had a re, we had a, um, evangelization outreach a few years ago where we were um, at St. John's. We don't have the meeting spaces you do, so Joe McGuire's here with me. He's one of our parishioners, and he, he can testify to this. I think you were at the first evangelization or the first missionary disciple formation, and so we decided because we were going to do this missionary disciple formation uh, with our parish, and we had about 120 who said yes to it, that we didn't have space for that, so we decided to put a tent on our parking lot. And so we put up the tent, and we asked people to bring their Bibles, and so at the very first one, um, we had them pull out their Bibles, and somebody said, finally, the Catholics are going to be revived. There's going to be a Catholic revival. And it was so fun because we had our tent, we had our Bibles, and we were having a Catholic revival. So if you happen to have your, if not, you might have your smartphone, and you could follow along with that as well. That's nice to have that convenient uh, tool these days. And I'm going to be referring to, uh, kind of as a context to get us started this morning, Genesis chapter 3. We're going to go clear back to the beginning. And um, we're going to kind of start with a little bit of a sad place in, our, um, in salvation history, and that is the fall of, uh, of people, of, of Adam and Eve, and of, of the human race. So we're going to start with uh, the beginning of chapter 3 of Genesis this morning. If you're with me, then... Now the serpent was the most cunning of all of the animals that the Lord God had made. The serpent asked the woman, Did God really tell you to eat, to, not to eat from the fruit of this tree of the garden? The woman answered the serpent, We may eat of the, tr the, tree, the, the fruit of the tree in the garden. It is only about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden that God said, You shall not eat of this fruit or touch it lest you die. But the servant said to the woman, You certainly will not die. No, God knows well that the moment you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God's, and you will know that it is good and what, it, and what is bad. The woman saw that the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eyes and desirable for gaining wisdom. So she took some of the fruit and ate it, and she also gave some of it to her husband who was with her, 
and he ate it. Then their eyes of, the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they, so they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. When they, heard, when they heard the sound of the Lord God moving about in the garden at the breezy time of the day, the man and his wife hid themselves from the Lord God in, in the, among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God then called to the, to the two of them, to the man and woman, and asked them, Where are you? Where are you? We're going to have this same reading um, in a few days on the solemnity of the Immaculate Conception. It's the first reading for the Immaculate Conception. And I'm all, always kind of paused by this question. A lot of times when God wants to, to teach us something, he'll ask us a question. And he's asking, where are you to Adam and Eve? What, why? I mean, God's omnipotent, all-knowing. He doesn't need to ask the question of where are you. He knows where they are. But why does he generally ask us questions? Well, for our sake, so that we can understand where we are to ask the question. And so we might ask ourselves as we kind of frame up the morning and reflection today as we move towards Christmas and preparation of the Incarnation, where are you? Where are you in your relationship with the Lord? Where are you in your relationship with God? Some of the new words that we have um, come upon recently in our lives um, as we have experienced a pandemic are social distancing, Zoom, quarantine, new normal, and contagious. I don't know about you, but I don't think I used a lot of these words prior to last March, right? I mean, they were, were so generally words are from Zoom. I had no idea what that was. How many of you knew what Zoom was before last March? See, just a couple, you're probably in your work, were using it uh, in other ways. But now it's kind of just common ground uh, for people to use today. Um, I didn't typically use the term social distance from other people um, in my life, although maybe sometimes I would have liked to. Um, <laughs> I didn't tell people that they needed to quarantine or think about quarantining myself. Um, I didn't go around wondering if somebody was contagious or thinking about whether I needed to be tested if I was contagious myself. So these are kind of new phrases that we have come upon. And in some ways, they have um, been helpful to us, I suppose, in a physical kind of way. But in some ways, they have also stifled us in our spiritual journey. And maybe when I say us, I mean more broadly uh, people of faith, not necessarily each of us individually, because I, as some people have testified, it's been one of the best spiritual times of their life. But others, it's been a train wreck. I mean, I've heard um, so many confessions that where people were like, oh my gosh, Father, I mean, I went completely off the tracks and I was away from God and all this stuff, and it was just a train wreck for them. So this morning, as we kind of reflect on where is Christ our Lord in a COVID Christmas, I want to kind of look at it from the perspective of um, maybe a bit of an adventure that we go on together, if you will, um, in Advent, an Advent adventure. And while these days we could say are difficult and they, are, um, they have kind of changed our lives in so many ways, I would also say that they help us in some ways to dive deeper if we allow these days to do that, because no time in history has there been challenges such as these that saints weren't made, that 
great saints didn't come out of those times and greater Christian lives. I would propose this morning that in order to live a Christian, a vibrant Christian life that is authentic, we must always be a people who come and go. And that's kind of what we're going to take a look through the lens of coming and going this morning. Uh, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. These are kind of a a two-phased part of our Christian journey. We must come to follow Christ and be in personal relationship with him and intimacy with our Lord. Uh, divine intimacy with our Lord, and we must then go, therefore, and share the good news. If we don't do both, then we're not authentic Christians. We know that. The, the, the coming to be in personal relationship with Christ through his church, and then the going forth of sharing the good news with others. So this Advent, I would propose that we kind of focus on being a people who are coming to Christ more fully in our lives, in personal relationship, and then going forth to share the good news with others. This Advent should be a great adventure. It's a time of preparation for the coming of our Lord. The Word made flesh, Emmanuel, God is with us, as we started this with. But in order to prepare well for that coming, we must believe that we need a Savior. We must believe that we need a Savior. So often I think it's easy, especially in these days, that we start to rely solely on um, the words of others, the media, or on uh, science, or on um, uh, what somebody else thinks. And then we can exclude a Savior, right? That we really have a God. We have a Savior to turn to. And we should be seeking Him in these days, among any day of our lives. But in order to um, to do that, then we need to believe that we need him in these days. Uh, do you need Jesus? Do you need your Savior? Or can you do life right now on your own? Do you believe there is something beyond this life on earth? Are you preparing for eternal life with your Savior? These are all probably very important questions for us to um, contemplate in our personal lives and lives of our families. This word Advent, if we look at it more deeply um, in the Latin root, means to arrive or to come, uh, to arrive or to come. So we're looking about a preparation of a arrival of Christ, Emmanuel, God is with us, and we are also um, seeking um, him to come more deeply into our lives um, so that we can grow in relationship with him. One of my favorite hymns of this time of year, in fact, it's probably the, the only Advent hymn that most people know that's an Advent hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, right? We, we, we know that one. We know the tune of it. We can sing it. Um, and so it's one of my favorites this time of year because it's a beautiful reflection on um, kind of uh, salvation history and preparing for the coming of Christ the Savior. The first line, as you might recall, says, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. And ransom captive Israel. Well, who is Israel but us? I mean, that's our salvation history. We are, we are, we are formed out of the Israelites' faith um, in the Old Testament. And so we could even say, O come, O come, to each of us um, to ransom captive, be ransomed captive by our God. Those are very powerful words. Be ransomed captive by our God. This would be a great advent, would it not, if we were all ransomed captive more deeply in our lives by God? Do you desire to be ransomed captive fully, all in, um, by our Savior? 
Do you desire to be a different person on Christmas Day than you are today? See, this Advent can be really beautifully uh, fruitful for us if we decide, with our free will and with God's grace, that we want to be different on Christmas Day than we are today, that we want to be a little bit holier, we want to be a little bit closer to sainthood, we want to be a little bit more fully the, the person that God made us to be in his image and likeness, his beloved sons and daughters. And so a question would be, are you willing to be ransomed captive so that in this Advent season that you are a different person come Christmas Day than you are today? In other words, you look back on Christmas and smile in your prayer with God and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. This has been a great Advent because I feel like I have been ransomed captive by you, and I am, in fact, a different person today than I was four weeks ago. So we arrive then at Christmas as a different human being and a person that is really reflecting Christ more fully in our lives. Advent then, to come or to arrive. And then the word adventure comes from the same root word as advent. So that's why I propose that we be kind of on an advent adventure, if you will. The word adventure in its, in its verb form means to go or proceed, to go or proceed despite risk. To go or proceed despite risk. So if we are going to be on an adventure with our Lord to be ransomed captive in these days by him, then we are going somewhere or we're proceeding despite the risk that's involved. And I don't know about you, but every time I think about like being changed or, um, um, you know, the, the challenge of growth spiritually in my life, it feels a little risky. I'm like, okay, I want to ask the Lord to change me again, to have deeper conversion into his image and likeness, but I know from experience that's been a little risky, right? That there's been some work that has to come into that, or that um, I'm not sure there could be an unknown of what he might ask me to do. The most profound kind of example for me in my own life is when I was um, uh, beginning to have a reversion back to God and his church. Many years ago, I had fallen away from, as a young adult, kind of fallen away from the faith, fallen away from being active Catholic. Even I would say fallen away from a real personal relationship with our Lord um, in my life. And I had a kind of a life-changing experience that happened, and it woke me up. And that I can tell you the very place and time that night after that experience happened, I sat and I began to pray again. And in that prayer, I started to say, you know, Lord, um, I want to follow you more faithfully. I want to follow you more faithfully. And it was beautiful because I felt this real sense of connectivity with the Lord, and I committed to going back to Mass and being reconciled through the sacrament, and I was, you know, kind of on fire in that conversion. And after about a month of praying that way, you know, like, I, I, Lord, I follow you faithfully. And then I, I thought to myself, well, maybe I should ask him how he wants me to follow him. Now the risk starts, right? Because then you're like, okay, do I really want to ask that? Because right now I'm super comfortable. I feel like I'm connected with the Lord, but... He might ask me to do something that's a little risky or not very comfortable at all. And so I'm like, okay, I gave it a, I'm, I'm not going to ask today. I'm not ready for that. But tomorrow, the next day, and about a week later, I started asking that in prayer. Lord, how do you want me to follow you faithfully? And then he placed on my heart priesthood. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on a minute. Okay, let's go back to I will follow you faithfully for some things, right? But not that one. And so, you know, it's a little risky 
right? To, to really be ransomed captive, to enter into this going forward despite risk. But that's what an adventure with God is, and God wants our lives to be a great adventure, and he will never lead us somewhere that's not a better place than where we were before if we're faithful to him in that question. And so this Advent, as we come and go, uh, we become more the people we're made to be in a great adventure of Advent itself. Three times last Sunday, as you probably recall, that in our gospel, we heard four times actually in our gospel, we heard the word watch. Watch. In other words, watch for the Lord. Where is he working in your life? Stay awake and watch for Jesus. May he not come suddenly and find you sleeping, said the Holy Gospel. May he not come suddenly and find you sleeping. And so it means to be awake, O sleeper. It means that we have a chance to really come and go um, in our lives with God. How is your faith? Is it a little bit lethargic these days? I know that I could say that at the beginning of October, as I was praying, that I felt a little lethargic. I think the whole, all the stuff of the unrest of uh, uh, the civil unrest that we've experienced, and we were kind of coming into an election, and there was some anxiety, and, and the, the pandemic was still going on, and I was, I was feeling like this kind of distance from God, a little lethargic, maybe a bit, I hate to use the word lukewarm, because we know that in Revelations it says, for those who are lukewarm, they'll be spewed out, you know, and it's like, oh, I don't want to be that, right? But um, I was feeling a little half asleep, if you will. And um, I remember at the, it was on the anniversary of my um, diaconate ordination, October 28th, and I took a little extra time for prayer that day. And um, I was like, Lord, I'm just kind of, I'm feeling, you know, kind of down about the, um, not about you or about the church, but just about my own journey. And I need a little boost here. And so, um, so I asked him a dangerous question, what would you like for me to do? And a little risky and all of a sudden, he just immediately put St. Joseph on my mind. It was, it was like, I don't know if that's ever happened to you before. You're praying, and yet maybe ask a question, or you sit with something, and all of a sudden, boom, something's there. And um, i like, okay, let me kind of sort that out, make sure it's from God and the Spirit. So I sat with it a little bit longer. And then all of a sudden, this book came to mind that I had bought back in January. And it was a book, uh, maybe January, February. It was a book written by Father Calloway. Um, about consecration to Saint jo- to Jesus through Saint Joseph. It's new out. So if you've ever done the Marian consecration, um, Saint Louis de Montfort, the 33 days, similar to that, but it's a consecration through the intercession of Saint Joseph. Well, I thought that's pretty good. I, his, his, his Saint Joseph came to mind. That book came to mind. So I dug around, sure I found it on a shelf that I was uh, that I placed it on. I pulled it out, and I counted then from that day in 33 days out. And it ended up being the first day of Advent, believe it or not, you know, kind of providential. So I thought, yeah, I probably ought to do the consecration. So I dove into that, and um, on those 33 days up till last Sunday, it was kind of this revival of my spirit. It, again, looked a little bit risky because it meant some time and some further commitment of my own journey and getting to know Joseph, but it became very fruitful. So this morning, as you, as you open up more fully, as we all um, seek to do from time to time, um, maybe you pay attention to what God places um, on your heart and mind that he might want you to be a little, take a little bit of a risk about or watch and be prepared for life. So I, I invite you to come with me on this adventure at Advent to be ransomed captive Israel, be ransomed captive by our God.
As we do so, we know that we can't be kind of half in or lukewarm, right? Um, We've we got to be all in. It, it doesn't work well if we're just kind of, yeah, I got one foot in, one foot out, and it'll be a pretty good advent. No, it's all in or all out. I suspect you're all in because you, you've come this morning to um, dive deeper into these questions of how God wants to change me, uh, have a deeper version of my life, uh, so I'm a different person at Christmas. Several years ago, I was um, uh, in semi- when I was in seminary then, I um, answered some questions that God proposed to me and some invitations and finally made it um, through his grace into seminary. And I was kind of a sponge because I wasn't your typical um, uh, seminarian, I would guess, in some ways. I had never served Mass as a kid, and that was like, to my classmates, that was scandalous. They're like, what? You've never served Mass before? How did you get here? You know, they're like, you know, I'm like, well, I think God's grace brought me here. I'm not sure. Um, I'm going to try to stay for at least a week. Uh, I almost escaped the first night. I was like, I got to get out of here. Um, but I stayed. Thanks, thanks be to God by God's grace. And anyway, I was um, I was in that first year, and I was learning. I was just a sponge for everything, and loved it all. And on um, a particular um, visit with one of my uh, siblings, my youngest sister, uh, Patty. Um, she was sharing with me that uh, I was asking her how things were going at home, and I'd kind of been away a lot from family, and so I, I was asking her all about that, and she said, yeah, she, and she had, they had six um, kids probably under the age of 12 at that time, and their two youngest are twins, and they're beautiful family, and, and so she was saying, yeah, we, um, we've been trying to teach the kids about paying attention in mass. And I'm like, well, that's really good. How are they doing? She's like, oh, man, most days it's just like it's a wrestling match, right? So any of you with kids know what that's like. And um, she said, but last Sunday was really good. Last Sunday was really great because uh, we got all the way to communion, and the kids had been really good, and nobody had, like, thrown their toy three pews over and hit somebody in the head, and no Cheerios were flying around on, on the floor and things like that. So, they, so she even said it was so good that I leaned over to my husband, his name is Jason, and said, Jason, I think we're going to make it. <laughs> Have you ever felt like that, like with your kids? Like, I think we're going to finally, we're going to make it through this mass without any t- too much chaos. And so, um, so there was, it was beautiful. It was that quiet time. She said right after mass, everybody had communion, and they were sitting there quietly reflecting. The priest had sat back down his presider's chair and was reflecting. And it was so quiet that there's a train track in their little country church behind the church there, and they could hear a train coming down the track in the background. And all of a sudden, there was a train whistle, and then their oldest boy yells out, All aboard! And so this peaceful, you know, quiet time, they'd almost made it through, and then everybody starts laughing in the whole church, and um, the priest starts laughing, and... And so I said, well, you know, because I'm learning, I'm, I'm going to be maybe a future priest at that point in time. And so I want to, like, what do you do when things like that happen? And so I said, what did Father do? And she said, well, after he stopped laughing, he got up and he said, let us pray. And he said, before we pray, let me just say, how profound, how profound, all aboard, out of the mouth of a babe, right? And I think that that's it. I mean, you can't, you don't want to be half on the train and half off the train. That's a dangerous place to be, right? So either you're all in or you're not. And I think that as we enter into this Advent, we, we each get to decide whether we're going to be intentional about our journey with God. And so are you all aboard? 
want to look at these words as we think about how to be on board with Christ um, in these days um, that are, have become more familiar to us in a physical sense, but I'd like to use them in a spiritual sense this morning. And so let's take a look at the first phrase that has become very common to us, no social or, or social distancing. And I would propose that we should look at it this way spiritually, that we should have no social distancing from God these days. So while we're called to, yes, social distance um, from people um, so that we can kind of keep the, you know, the virus under control, whatever, but I want to propose that we shouldn't be social distancing from God, right? If we start to get into an attitude that we're supposed to be distant from people, that could easily translate into distance from God. You know, we, we, there's, a, there's a risk or a, um, a, a challenge here for us as faithful. And I would take it one step further and say we should not be socially distanced from one another either in a spiritual way. And that's difficult when um, space and um, time keeps us apart in some ways these days. But at the same time, we're called to be in unity and community. The devil wants to divide, wants to isolate. God wants to unite and bring people together with him and others. This past week, a week ago, we celebrated the Feast of St. Andrew. And St. Andrew, on November 30th, he's just this powerhouse saint. He's one of the first disciples, obviously. We don't hear a lot about Andrew in Scripture, but if we study him at all and what little we do know, we can really uh, learn a lot from Andrew. Andrew, as you may remember, is the disciple, is a brother of Peter. And Andrew is... Um, is walking along the Sea of the Shore of Galilee. This is in the first chapter of John. And he's walking along the Sea of Galilee, and he runs into John the Baptist. Remember the story, and John the Baptist is out and, you know, eating locusts and dressed funny, and everybody thinks he's weird, and some people are starting to follow him because he's pointing to Christ. And he, he sees John the Baptist, and who knows what he first thinks about him, but he hears then John the Baptist say, Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. And he pauses, and he's probably wondering, could this be true? Like, we've been looking for the Messiah. You know, we've been looking for him. Could this really be true, that this is the Messiah, the Lamb of God? And he, in pausing, must have had a movement of his heart. He must have um, maybe, I don't know, we don't hear from Scripture at that point that Jesus says anything, that maybe Jesus says something, or maybe it's just knowing his presence and his midst um, that he believes that he has met the Messiah, that he's seen the Messiah. And we don't know too, but he, pro he might have spent some time with him that day then before going home. But when he goes home, he does something that's profoundly important. He says to his brother Peter, we have found the Messiah. We have found him. We have found the one we've been looking for. To find means that we must be seeking, right? So Andrew must have been seeking. His brother Peter must have been seeking God. We don't find usually unless we're looking for something. And so it's a, this Advent is a time of seeking for us as Catholics, as Christians. It is a time to come more fully into the presence of Jesus and seek his love for us, seek his mercy for us, to seek his divine intimacy for us. Divine friendship, we could even say. To come is, means that there must be a yes in our lives to follow Christ more faithfully. 
And so Andrew, he, what does he do? He goes back to, to his brother and uh, Peter, and he says, Peter, we have found the Messiah. We have found him. And he takes him to him, right? So he doesn't just stop there, but he's, after he's sought, he's found, and now he wants to take him to him. Isn't that what the early Christians were always doing, is they were seeking the Messiah? They were ready to receive him. In fact, those first apostles were looking for him. And so, too, for us in these days, if we want to be uh, people who are not socially distancing from God, then we are seeking after him in our own ways. In fact, we should expect to find him more fully in our lives. Not just like an adventure going off seeking without any uh, possibilities, but rather we should expect to find him more deeply. We should trust him d- deeply enough to know that he wants to enter more fully in communion with us in our own lives. Several, maybe about a month ago, there was a beatification in our church, and it was Blessed Carlo Acutis. Anybody follow that uh, beatification at all? Blessed Carlo Acutis. And he, he's, he's phenomenal. Check him out, but you can probably Google Blessed Carlo, and he'll pop right up. Um, he's phenomenal. He's only 15 years old when he died of cancer. He's only 15 years old. He was Italian, a boy that lived in Italy, in northern Italy, in the Alps, in Milan. And what was incredible about him is, from a very young age, he was seeking the Lord, and he expected to find him in his daily life, and he did. I mean, the stories of him just over and over as a young boy were always about him finding Christ, who he sought more deeply in his own life. He said, he had several famous kind of quotes or things, probably from a journal that he was keeping, but he said um, at one point of his life as a young teenager, that God is expecting all of us in heaven. God is expecting all of us in heaven one day. And I think the same is true that, you know, we should expect that God wants to work in our lives. We should expect that he is seeking us and that if we seek him, that he will be present to us. We are all expected in heaven one day, said this young boy, he went on to, just a sidebar, he, he developed, he was uh, very gifted tech, technologically, and so he developed an entire website that, that documents all of the Eucharistic miracles that are proven by the church on all of church history for 2,000 years. Imagine that. You can just Google uh, Blessed Carlo Eucharistic Miracles, and you'll find this wonderful website. And if you ever want to, um, you know, encourage someone else to the faith, um, one of the ways that you can do it in the, tr- the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist is to introduce them to Eucharistic miracles. So he certainly left a mark on the world in which we live um, t- in just a short 15 years. Are you seeking? Are you longing? Are you yearning? Like a deer that yearns for running streams. Are you yearning for God in this Advent? If so, keep it up. That's what we, need to, that's what we do as Christians. If not, I would ask the question, Why? Um, do you not expect that the Lord wants to spend time with you? He wants to uh, bring you closer to him, that he wants conversion, deeper conversion in your life? Is there something that has stolen your peace that maybe keeps, is in the way of you not desiring to yearn or to seek him or to long for him in these days of Advent? I think that's probably true for a lot of people, that there are things that have stolen our peace. You know, to admit that there have been times where I have been at unrest and anxious in this last year, that I've wondered, where are you, God? You know, what are you doing here? But we know that God allows evil for greater goods to happen, right? 
He only allows evil so that greater good can happen in our lives. And so what is stealing your peace that allows the greater good to happen? Is it anxiety of some kind or fear? It's, I call it COVID crazy days. Are there, is there too much anxiety in your life? Is there too much media that you're absorbing? Too much screen time? If there's a number one thing I've heard in confession that I've kind of got to pull out of people of what's stealing their peace, they may not name it at the front end, but as we've talked about, what's taking your peace away and being at peace with God and with others in your life? It is too much screen time. They're falling into way too much media um, that is, who knows how truthful any of it is, you know? And so it's just taking their peace away and putting them in like in a ball. Some, some people I feel like are almost paralyzed, you know, until they go to confession and then they're freed, you know, and they're just ready to go again. But what's, if, if anything, what's taking your peace away? And if you can identify that, then you can combat that. You can battle it so that you can long more fully, more authentically, and yearn and seek the Lord in these days. So, number one, I would say, don't social distance from God. Keep seeking after him in any way that you can in these days of Advent, because he certainly is there, Emmanuel, God with us, wanting to enter more deeply into divine intimacy and divine friendship with us. Secondly, I would say that if we were to come to Christ more fully at Christmas, then we need to take time to zoom in more deeply on that relationship with the Lord. A little pun there with the word zoom, but we're zooming in instead of using the zoom technology, zooming in on the divine intimacy that I've been talking about. What does that mean exactly? You know, what I, I like to be practical about um, things in the spiritual journey. So what does it mean to zoom in more closely in this divine intimacy? Well, it means sacrament and prayer primarily sacrament and prayer for us. And Advent is supposed to be a time that we take more time, we carve out more time for that. But how often does Advent become pre-Christmas, right? Pre-Christmas, and we got all the busyness of Christmas. We can take time to put up lights and trees and decorations, which are all good, that should hopefully point us to God. Uh, we can take all kinds of time for people to bake and make great foods and share those foods, and those are good things as well. Uh, we can take time to organize um, uh, company Christmas parties. Maybe they'll look a lot different this year or family gatherings. All good. But if we do all those things in pre-Christmas, then we've kind of missed Advent unless we are zooming in on the personal relationship with Christ through prayer and through the sacramental life. Some days, some for some, and I know some probably live streaming this morning, it's not for uh, reasons of, of, of um, having pre-existing conditions or being elderly or more susceptible to the virus, and you can't be physically in church, but we can still come together virtually, which is great for the sacraments. But there's nobody, no matter where we are in our lives, that can't pray. Right? I mean, St. Paul was imprisoned. He had been beaten. He was starved. He was, um, you know, cold, uh, freezing in, this, in, a, in a jail cell in, in Rome. He still prayed. He was still able to pray in that time, and he was still able to keep his joy and, that, and enter more deeply into that divine intimacy. Prayers are spiritual oxygen. It is always a great reminder that if we aren't praying, then we're, then we're spiritually dying. We're suffocating, right? 
So we have to be people that are communicating with God if we want to be spiritually alive. I say this a lot, but so they also say that, you know, you have to say things like seven times for people to really sink in. And so I feel like if I just say it for the rest of my life as a priest, then maybe a couple of people and maybe most importantly myself that I'll get it, right? But it always reminds me of St. John the Evangelist, our, our patron in our, at the parish I'm at. Um, he, in his old days, this is a tradition, it's not scripturally based, but it's a tradition of St. John that he was on the island of Patmos. And on the island of Patmos, um, he was writing the book of Revelations. And um, he was an old man now, and they said that they'd have to carry, the people would come to see him because he was the only living disciple left, right? The other um, disciples were all martyred. They had all been killed for the faith. And he was still living, and so people wanted, like, he knew Jesus. And so we want to hear from him. So they, they would haul him out physically. Men would carry him out to the crowds each day. And as he would get out there, and they would wait for him to say something and teach him about Jesus. And he would say, little children, love one another. And they'd say, take me back. And he'd, they'd go back in the house. And it'd be, he'd do this day after day. And finally, somebody had come from afar and been there all week. And he's like, but John, John, before you go back in, can you tell me, can you say something else? that's good for my spiritual journey. And he says, well, when we get that right, then we'll move on to other things, right? And so that's true that, like, we got to get these things right. Love God and love one another, and then we can move on. But if we aren't people of prayer, if we aren't people of prayer, then we're spiritually dying. And there's just three basic things. And I, I know this is, I know you know this, but I, I just repeat this over and over for people because I know I need to be reminded of it as well. That if we're really going to be serious about intentional prayer in our lives every day, communication with God every day, we have to decide three things. When am I going to pray every day? I'm going to have to carve out time. If I don't do it, then I won't. If I don't, if I don't set, say, this is when I'm going to pray today, then I won't pray, right? It'll just be kind of the end of the day, and I may or may not have, had, have gotten to it. Everything else will take away that time. Where, when am I going to pray each day? Second thing is, where am I going to pray? Like, I, I've got to s decide where that's going to be. You guys have a beautiful, is your chapel open, your adoration chapel here? Yeah, so you have a beautiful adoration chapel. That's a great place to stop by and pray. Um, are you going to pray in a, 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 a special place set up in the corner of your bedroom or the living room where you've got a space that's really dedicated to allowing God to enter in? Uh, where are you going to pray each day? And then third, how are you going to pray? What's your plan? You know, leaving room for the Spirit, of course, but how, what's your, what do you want to do? And the, and the seasons can change, right? So we're at Advent, so maybe your prayer looks a little different than it did uh, when we were in ordinary time. Or maybe it'll change a little bit in Christmas. Or uh, maybe it'll change some in Lent and look different. But how are you going to pray in this particular time of your life? And it may even reflect what's going on in your life. You know, probably many of you prayed that 54-day novena leading up to the election. Well, that was different. My prayer changed because I got on board. I was 100% on board to pray for this nation uh, leading up to the election. And so I don't think I've ever prayed that 54-day novena before, but I did this time because I was convicted that it was important to do. So wh what was I going to do? That was going to be part of my prayer for 54 days, I decided. And so um, th those are important questions, like when and where and how am I going to pray each day? And if you decide that and be decisive about the intentionality, you're, you're most likely to do it. And so zooming in on God is a zooming in on our sacramental and prayer life. And it's so critical if we're going to be um, different at, at Christmas time than we are at the beginning of Advent. 
I want to um, just bring a third point, and then we're going to pause and take a break. Uh, the third point is new normal. We hear this phrase a lot, uh, what's your new normal? And I suspect that all of our lives look different than they did a year ago. I mean, I, I, honestly, can we have imagined last Advent what, what this past year has been? I don't know that anybody had any sense of what was, was going to happen in the world, in our nation, um, in, in, in our personal lives. And so we hear these things like, we hear this phrase, What's your, well, this is a new normal. Well, I, I want to maybe put a caution to just um, buying into whatever the new normal is that somebody else thinks it should be for your life. Um, because if you just decide what your new normal is based on what somebody else thinks it should be for you, then probably you're not really seeking God fully. You're not turning to him to ask, Lord, what do you want my new normal to be? Uh, I think it's very powerful, actually, to add, and I hope that after all this craziness is over that we keep asking the question, Lord, what do you want my new normal to be? Because that's called conversion, right? And so if you look at your life, what, what do you think, and as you pray, and you take this to your prayer time, what does God call you to, to be and to do, and what does your life look like, your family life look like in a new normal that's intentional, that reflects Him, that's not reflecting a world in which we live? Obviously, I'm not standing before you and saying that we throw out everything that the world is telling us that we should be doing right now or that there's no um, good ways to, um, to be a part of the solution of less um, virus spread or whatever. But I think if we just get stuck in that, then we're stuck in a world. And we're, we're people who are called to live in the world but not be of the world. Right? We're living in the world, but we're not of the world. We're of God. We have a goal that's beyond this world. Just a sidebar, I think that I, I've really prayed about, like, why all this, why such anxiety, you know? Why are people so afraid these days? And one thing I feel like God has said to me is just help people to not be afraid of death. Help people not be afraid of death. And I know that sounds crazy because, you know, there's, a, there's an unknown about death. But if we are true to our Christian faith and our Catholic faith, then we know that we are pilgrims on this earth just for a time. It'll be a blip and it'll be over. And then we have an eternity, possibly, with God. And so what would we be afraid of in paradise? You know, what, why wouldn't we be looking forward to that in our own lives? But I, I do believe that that's why God's placed on my heart, that there are many people that are kind of uh, paralyzed or frozen or afraid and great anxiety, maybe because of a fear of death and what's on the other side of that moment in their life. And so these days, as we think about um, what is our new normal, I think we have to be intentional about allowing um, God to help us put that into place and plan that for us, his will and his way versus our will and our way. Because again, um, it's always going to be better. We know that. And yet sometimes we're afraid of um, asking the question of what do you want of me, Lord? But to embrace a new normal that really reflects him can be very powerful. It means that we look at our lives um, in a new evangelization kind of way. And that's going to be my segue into the second uh, part of the the, the reflection this morning, but in this consecration I did to St. Joseph, 
Um, Father Calloway proposes two reasons why we need Joseph and Mary, of course, the Holy Family, but Joseph in these days particularly. And he says number one is because of the breakdown of the family and the breakdown particularly of fatherhood. And he says that we, in, in, all of, uh, in all of Christian history, today is the day that we need Joseph as a model more than ever of faithful families and faithful fatherhood, the domestic church, right, alive and well. And it, he says that this is a day that the world needs evangelized and re-evangelized, and we need Joseph to help show us the way to do that because he was the, what, the first evangelist along with Mary, right? He was the first uh, one to bring Christ to the world with Mary and show Christ to others. And so he says not only do we need to evangelize today more than ever, but we need to re-evangelize those who claim to be Christian or Catholic because many have kind of um, become lukewarm or fallen away from the faith. And so that should be part of our new normal in our lives. This morning, though, for the first three, then, we've kind of reflected on how it is that God is calling us um, to um, be more like him, seeking him in our lives, no social distancing from him, seeking him during this time of Advent, zooming in on a personal relationship with him more fully, and seeking through his eyes what is our new normal for each of us as we continue to grow in holiness. I want to pause there, and um, there's a set of... Uh, we'll, we'll first take a break, and then we'll come back at 9 o'clock. Um, let's see, it's, yeah, it's t- or 10 o'clock, so it's 10 till 10. And so we'll come back in 10 minutes if there, there are restrooms and if you just need to take a stretch break. And then I'm gonna, we're going to pass out a set of reflection questions, in which we're going to spend a few minutes, maybe uh, 10 minutes here in the church before our Lord here in the Holy Eucharist. Um, and reflect on some of the things that we've I've proposed this morning through the reflection questions that we passed out to you. Thank you.